Afternoon, Sergeant. See the money run? Yeah, afternoon, Cecil. Uh, uh, I mean, um, hello, afternoon. Oh, what do we have here, then? See anything you fancy? What about this one, sir? Want to see it wound up? What's that you've got there, then? See the money run? I said, what's that, then, Sergeant Brunswick, you've got there? What? Is it for me, sir? What's that, then, sir, in your hand? This? Well, it's a pound note, Cecil. <laughs> well, it's nice to see there are some honest people left in the world, eh? Tob very much, sir. Tob very much indeed. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how quick these little bleeders wind down. Part of the fun, though, eh? Part of the flipping, flaming, bleeding, sodding fun. I was wondering about Sunday night's jewel robbery on the train, Cecil. See the bunny run, see the bunny jump. Not sure I can help you there, Sergeant. Why? A lousy flipping quid, that's why. A quid's all I've got! Cecil! <laughs> no, just one name, Cecil. They got away with jewellery worth eight thousand pounds! <laughs> Cecil! Blimey, mate, are you still here? The Adventures of Inspector Steen by Lynn Trust. Episode 1, While the Sun Shines. And so, Father, I will always be grateful to Inspector Steen for sending me on secondment to Scotland Yard. But I am also very, very, very glad to be back in Brighton with my old friend Sergeant Brunswick, the dear inspector himself, and of course our lovable Cockney charlady Mrs Groins, about whose considerable talents, beyond making the tea and mopping the floors, I'm sure one day the full truth will be known. Criminal records, you say, Constable? That's right, Mrs Groins. What are those, then, when they're at home? Another name for what Lonnie Donegan keeps dishing up? Rock Island Line, that's what I call a criminal record. <laughs> Mind your feet, then. Oh, yes. This new stuff is supposed to polish as it dries, as it cleans, as it takes the bins out and double locks the front door and says to tar to the night watchman, so naturally I'm a gog. It smells disgusting, Mrs G. I know, that's the main reason I'm using it, if I'm honest. Anyway, so, criminal records. How's your cup of tea, dear? Slice of tongue in brawn would go well without a bit of sugar on it. Uh, no, this is, this is lovely, thank you. Uh, the thing is, criminal records are the face of the future. Oh. Look... Uh, say you've got a criminal who always breaks and enters by the same method, say by jemmying open a side window. Like Ronnie the Nurk. Oh, does he? Side window? Every bleeding time. Well, all right then, like, like Ronnie the Nurk. So, at police headquarters you have a wooden filing drawer of cards pertaining to means of entry, you see. Oh, yeah. Uh, divided by little markers, um, side window, back window, skylight and so on, and you file Ronnie the Nurk under side window. The next time a robbery occurs using that method, you go straight to the drawer, look at the cards, and there he is. <laughs> Sounds like a job for a girl, dear, not a policeman. His card gives you a list of his convictions, his last address and so on. You check whether he's out of prison in another drawer, then you check his fingerprints. Fingerprints? And then you simply go off and make you arrest. I know it sounds far-fetched, but you mark my words, Mrs G. In 50 years' time, every police station in the country will have a set of wooden drawers just like that. I'm going to do one for Brighton straight away. And what if Ronnie, aware of this set of drawers of yours, changes his M.O.? Then you're up a gum tree, and no mistake. His M.O.? <laughs> what do you mean? What if he suddenly decides to come down the chimney? Oh, but he won't. Why not? No, that's the beauty of it. Criminals are more than usually set in their ways. It's been scientifically proved. They never vary their methods. For example, when you did that big jewellery job on Sunday on the train, which was brilliantly done, as usual, Mrs G. It did go well, yes. They're saying 8,000, but it was more like twelve. Well, you see, that job, brilliant, yes. 
But I have to tell you, Mrs. G, it had all your hallmarks. All marks? What do you mean, all marks? I made a list, Mrs. G. Here. Oh, no tar, dear. I'm sure you'd find it interesting. No, dear, I wouldn't. No, look, look, look. Fifteen ways the crime could have been traced straight back to you if you were in the files as a known criminal. But I'm not a known criminal, am I? Oh, no, exactly, Mrs. G. Exactly. And there's the bally rub. And here comes the inspector and poor Sergeant Brunswick. You do know he's always wanted to send to Scotland Yard. <laughs> he didn't give you the power back. That's what you're saying. This so-called underworld informant of yours didn't give you your power back. No, sir, he didn't. Oh, well, what do you expect? I assume this man is a criminal of some sort. Uh, morning, Mrs. Grimes. Hello, uh, dear. Morning, Trenton. Morning, sir. You won't believe this. You really won't. Well, there wouldn't be much point in talking to him if he wasn't a criminal, sir. You see? Dear, oh, dear. You and I will never see eye to eye on this, Brunswick. Against all my advice, you persist in conducting police business with people known to be liars, cheats and thieves, and then you complain that they behave dishonourably. <laughs> Hello, sir. Oh, God. Cup of tea, dear. Are you all right, sir? Hello. Um, it's nice to be back. Not informant trouble again, sir. I hope it's not all seeming... pointless. The thing is, Father, poor Sergeant Brunswick has never been very lucky with informants. First, there was Albert, the stage doorman from the Hippodrome, who may well have been a fund of information, except... <laughs> Then there was Dodgy Pierre. Oh, this is uh, too kind, Monsieur Brunswick. My pleasure, Pierre. <laughs> you are, I say. Pierre? Pierre! What, what happened? Who are you? Pierre, the bank job. Oh! Ah, je me suis Pierre. C'est moi, oui. And who is it this time, dear? Who's the rotten nark this time, eh? Pretending to put in a squeak and making your life a misery. He's known as Barrow Boy Cecil, Mrs. G. Cecil, eh? In with the bunnies on a tray? Yes. With the pitch outside the Theatre Royal? With the limp from the polo and the pea-green hat? You seem to know him, Mrs G. Me dear? No, I've never met him. How many coat, dear? I'm just popping out. I was only asking about the jewellery job. It's so frustrating, Twitten. Whenever there's a big job done round here, I always feel that the whole flame in town knows who did it, except me. I know, sir. It, it's a bally shame. Right. You cheer up the sergeant, dear. I'll be back before you know it with something lovely from the House of Humbugs. Is that the House of Humbugs that's just opposite the Theatre Royal, outside which Barrow Boy Cecil sells bunnies from a tray, Mrs G? That's the very one, dear. Oh, you're so sharp you'll cut your own head off down a dark alley one of these days. Toodaloo, dears. Back in a jiff. I'm terribly sorry things have been hard whilst I've been away, sir. Uh, how, how was Scotland Yard, then? Oh, well, sorry, sir. Spiffing. Oh. But 
I think I may be able to cheer you up, sir. Who would you say is your favourite writer? Oh, I don't get you, son. Well, if you had to choose one person whose writing you admire above all others, whose would it be? Harry Jupiter, son. Crime reporter of the Daily Clarion. The policeman's friend. You know that. Yes, but, well, you'll never guess. He's coming here. He, he's coming here? Why? Because I told him all about you. He's always at the yard, you see, sir. He knows every officer. He's the only civilian ever to win a silver truncheon. Oh, no. Anyway, I told him all about your undercover work in Brighton, and he thought that even though all of your undercover efforts have led to your near murder... Well, not all of them, Twitten. He nevertheless felt that he should come down to Brighton to interview you. What, me? And write an article on the theme of an ordinary heroic policeman. Meaning me? Doing his duty at enormous personal risk. The unsung hero of the force, who lives faceless in the shadows to protect the law-abiding. The unsung hero who lives faceless... To protect the law-abiding, sir. Oh, Twitten! A hero! I must admit, I provided the supercase, sir. You did what? Well, I gave him the entire idea, sir. Oh, here's Mrs Groin's back. That was jolly quick work. Oh, uh, Sergeant Brunswick, please, please don't say anything to Mrs G about this. Why? Well... Oh, oh, I know, uh, because she might want Harry Jupiter to write an article about her. <laughs> As if Mrs. Groys knew anything about crime, Twitten. <laughs> yes, exactly, sir. <laughs> As if she knew anything about crime. Blimey, you only did it. Did what, Mrs. G? Cheered up the sergeant. I thought once you'd told him all about how spiffing Scotland Yard was, I'd come back to find him on the window ledge. What's that in the bag, Mrs. G? What bag, dear? That one. Look, look Sergeant Bumsey. Looks like there's something moving in it. Moving? You've your imagination. I'll put it in this cupboard and then we can... Shut up, for Then we can forget all about it. <laughs> you know, I think I've heard that noise before somewhere, Mrs G, but for the life of me, I Oh, and look, here's half a pound of coconut ice I picked up for a treat. Ooh. Ooh, oh, look at that lovely pink and white. You do spoil us, Mrs G. And isn't that what I'm here for? Well, all this standing around jawing won't get their own treaty ratified and change the course of European affairs irrevocably and forever now, will it, dears? <laughs> you won't, Mrs G, you're right. <laughs> oh, that's lovely, that is. Mm. Mm. It was wonderful to see the sergeant so happy for once. Unfortunately, what I didn't foresee was that Harry Jupiter would call the inspector. Uh, hello, Inspector. Jean, good, Jupiter here. Uh, Jupiter? The art and craft of murder, Jupiter. Jupiter of the clarion. Don't give them your money, Jupiter. Jupiter, the champion of the art. You are expecting me? Um, Look, there's not much time. Right. Arriving Brighton, 11.44. I see, 11.44, I have but... to telephone my article to the clarion by 5.48. Right, well, of course. Uh, and that article Allowing would be... Allowing 26 minutes to write it and 12 minutes to call it through. That means being back at the station by 5.10 at the latest. Well, yes, allowing uh, what you said. I'll need a Remington in good repair, some full-scap paper with new carbons, a large ashtray, an up-to-date street map of Brighton, three fig rolls, a green visor, some functional sleeve garters, and a place to hang my Mac where I can see it. Are you a journalist? Doing two pieces today. One, locations known to the public from Brighton Rock. You can help me with that one, Steen. Oh. Meet 12.13 at Metropole. We'll do hotel bar, tea shop, ghost train, and so on. Two, honest, brave policeman, name Brunswick. Meet him, 226, next to Ghost Train, which is where you and I will part. If you say so. Tell your I... man, Brunswick, I want detail. This is most important. What the public wants is detail. How many times he's been shot? By whom, when, why, and especially where? 
Where has he been shot, to your knowledge, Inspector Steen? Where? Um, well, it was usually out of doors. Don't be flippant, Steen. Remember the acid bath murders? Oh, yes, unfortunately. Why? I was there when they fished out what remained undissolved in that terrible putrid human sludge, Inspector. Oh, do you have I to? I saw with my very own eyes what was recovered. But do you know what? All my readers remember it as if they were there themselves, because I gave them the detail. Ooh. What was left of Mrs. Jericho, Inspector? I bet half my considerable pension that you can tell me, even after ten years. Go on. Go on. Well, I, I do remember there was a bit of a foot. Look, I'm feeling a bit bullied here. Oh, come on, Inspector. The foot, the foot, the foot. But what else? Some dentures? Yes. And a bit of a handbag. Bingo! You see, everyone remembers that bit of Mrs. Jericho's handbag. Thanks to me, Inspector. They also remember the fleck of blood in the picture rail at Twelfinsbury Gardens, the tooth embedded in the scullery floorboard of the Kennington Butcher, oh. the national health spectacles found trodden in the pig pen on that bleak Suffolk farm. Detail, Inspector. Detail, detail, detail. That's what brings writing for the hoi polloi alive. Yes, but... The... What the blazes... Sir, cup of tea from Mrs. Groin, sir. Oh, thank you. Um, something, something up, Brunswick? How do you mean, sir? Well, you seem different. Possibly, sir. You've heard about this Jupiter fellow coming, I suppose. I have, sir. Well, do you think you could contain yourself for a minute while I ask you something, sir? How many times have you been shot, Brunswick? Do you know exactly? Oh, yes, sir. 36, sir. Oh, by whom? Oh, by villains, sir. Stanley Knife Stanley four times. Danny the Fish. Oh, now he's shot me. <laughs> he's shot me eight times, all in all. Oh. Then there's... Yeah, um... yeah, that, that's enough. Um, um, all right. One last question. And I want you to think about this answer very carefully. Where have you been shot on these 36 completely avoidable occasions? Well, um... Mostly out of doors, sir. You see? That's what I said. Inspector Steen's considerable fame, as you may recall, Father, rests on the Middle Street Massacre six years ago in 1951. He is convinced that this incident is the most important event in the history of Brighton, possibly in the whole history of crime. I realise in retrospect that I should have mentioned this to Mr Jupiter before he decided to grill the inspector about Graham Greene's Brighton Rock, in which fictional tale the inspector has pointedly never taken the slightest interest, except to deplore the way it depicts Brighton as a place of backstreet villainy, juvenile thugs and knife gangs. <laughs> inspector Steen has never read Brighton Rock, nor seen the film. At the station, all mention of it is actually prohibited. I can't believe you don't know which tea shop it was in the book, Inspector. It's the most famous thing about Brighton. Well, I'm sorry, you see it that way. We've wasted 18 minutes. Uh, look, if that woman in the rock shop hadn't known... Well, luckily she did, so I suggest you stop going on about it. That's Middle Street on our left. I said that's Middle Street. What are you telling me that for? I'm just saying... If you've never heard... Why is it called Middle Street? I don't know. Haven't you ever wondered? No. Oh, come on, man. Haven't you even tried to work it out? Look. Middle Street? It's called Middle Street, you say? Yes. So what's it in the middle of? I don't know! <sighs> I've never noticed before how beautiful this view is, Twin. No, sir. 
I'm so pleased, sir. You believe me about the villains, don't you, son? What, that they exist? Oh, absolutely, sir. It's just a bally shame you can never stay one step ahead of them for very long. A big bally shame. While we're on the subject, though, what do you think of my brilliant scheme to introduce criminal records modelled on those at Scotland Yard, sir? Well, I have to say, it sounds more like girls' work, Twitten. I'm sorry. <laughs> Putting cards in drawers, taking cards out of drawers. Oh. <clears throat> we ought to set off soon for our rendezvous at the ghost train, sir. Nah, we've got a minute. <sighs> Still can't believe it, Twitten. He's very keen on detail, sir. All his best stories are about clever policemen noticing that a suspected man's pyjamas were dry when they should have been wet, or their hair not smelling of smoke when they claim to have tried to rescue their wives from a terrible blaze. Can you remember lots of details, sir? Uh, what stories are you thinking of telling Well, I thought I'd tell him to him how, for four years after the war, I cut Diamond Tony's hair once a week without fail in his personal suite at the Metropole. I didn't know that. Oh, before your time, Twin. Yep, every Friday morning, every Friday in the guise of an Italian called Raimondo, I cut Diamond Tony's hair, I did his nails, I... I shaved his back once or twice. Oh. I plucked his eyebrows, trimmed his nostrils, cut his corns, everything. That's, um... That's quite revolting, sir. It was, yes. But all the more heroic for that. Thank you. <laughs> ah, four years, twin. Four years. Gosh, sir. May I inquire... Did Diamond Tony give a lot away in that time? Well, he never paid me, if that's what you mean. <laughs> no, I meant, while he was doing his hair and so on, did he give away lots of really useful details of big jobs he was planning? Oh, no. No, no, he didn't. But that wasn't the relationship, you see. We didn't speak. Man and barber is like a sacred bond. No need for words. No need for words. Just the snip of the scissors, the brushing of the neck, the look in the mirror. Yes, but, um... So, what was the... Tell you what, I've forgotten this bit. He had this Veruca that had gone septic. You don't have to tell me this bit. And the smell, oh, the smell was something terrible. <laughs> um, what happened in the end? Oh, well, in the end, he shot me. Oh, no, why? <laughs> I didn't hang around to ask, Twitten. One day, I opened the door to his suite and he points a gun at me and says, I'm sick of this charade, Sergeant, bugger off. And he gets me in the arm. But no hard feelings, you see. I see him limping sometimes these days, and I think, well, hmm, serves you right, you ungrateful beggar, if that's the Veruca coming back. You'll never have found another free chiropodist as good as me. <sighs> Shall we go now? Absolutely. I'm just thinking, sir. Have you got any other stories for Mr. Jupiter? I'm sure we'll be able to find an even better one if we put our minds to it. Surely you don't expect me to go on that thing. How many more times, Steen? What I want is to verify the detail. Brighton Rock is a marvellous plot, so you keep saying. But it expects us to accept a number of things, matters of timing and so on, matters of plausibility. Come on, man. Oh. We have to get on this one or my itinerary goes wrong. If you'd stop calling me mad. What I want to establish here is this. Move up, move up. What's wrong with you? Push. What I want to establish is this. Is there a split second on this ghost train ride where it's possible to murder a man and have his body fall through the pier and into the sea below? A lot of people come to Brighton for the sunshine, you know, Jupiter. They come for the knickerbocker glories and the saucy seaside postcards and the general sense of well-being. Two, please. Now, come on, man. We're meeting your sergeant here in five minutes. Well, I'd just like to say... Oh, ah. 
We're not even inside yet. <laughs> this is it, Twitten. Nearly there. Yes, sir. It's a lovely day. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, let me off. Something touched me. Let me off. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you see that? It will be round the next bend, I think. Oh, oh, oh. Here we are. Well, they must be inside already. Oh, Twitten. I think at last it's come. My hour has finally come. All these years of the inspector trampling on my dreams and achievements, openly poo-pooing them. He does poo-poo your dreams and achievements, sir. I've noticed that. Well, he won't poo-poo them anymore, son. This is the best moment of my life. I think he must have started about here, Steve. Lend me a neck for a minute, will you? Oh, ah, what are you doing? Get off me, Spectre, will you please cooperate? By my calculations... Get off me! What are you doing? Oh, no, don't no, stop it! Look, stop I'm it! I'm merely reconstructing... Murder! 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 For heaven's sake, man! No! Ah! Oops. It's coming! Now, remember, sir, not the Diamond Tony story. Save that one, sir. Save it for next time. Oh, here it is! Here they come! <laughs> oh, this is unbelievable! Oh, there's the inspector, sir. But where? Where? Oh, that's very odd. Where's, um... What's wrong? Well, he's not... Inspector? Um... Sir! Sir! You look a bit... Where's Mr. Jupiter, sir? He's, um... What have you done with Mr. Jupiter, sir? Um, he, he, uh... What have you done with Mr. Jupiter? Obviously, it was an accident. Even Jupiter's chums at Scotland Yard were satisfied that no policeman would intentionally kill the man universally known as the policeman's friend. Or not unless they were unthinkably stupid. Inspector Steen recovered from the trauma remarkably well. Sergeant Brunswick, however, well, as you might expect, the sergeant took it really quite badly. Morning, Mrs. Goins. Morning, dear. Any change at all? No, dear. He just keeps saying the same thing over and over. I'll kill him. I will. I'll kill him. He thinks I won't, but I will. I'll kill him. Morning, sir. I'll kill him. I'll flame and kill him. I will. I'll kill him. I wonder if the sergeant needs help, Mrs. G. What, we're killing the inspector? I know quite a few people who gladly lend an hand. I meant more in the line of psychological help. Oh. Um, morning. Ah, morning, sir. How's the, how's the, uh, sergeant today? I'll kill him. No change, dear. I'll kill him. Now, do a Tritton, could, could you step into my office for a moment? Him! It's him! I'll kill him! Um, quickly, then. Uh, of course, sir. I'll flame and kill him if it takes till the end of my life. I'll ruddy flame and kill him. Quick, quick. Uh, yes, sir. No, no! Now, look here. He doesn't really mean it, does he, Twitten? I think he might, sir, actually. He certainly says it enough. Oh. Yesterday, he said it 178 times, sir, which is 16 times more than the day before. Would you like to see a graph, sir? No, I would not like to see a graph, Twitten. I didn't mean to kill the man. I thought he was trying to kill me. It was a misunderstanding, sir. Personally, I think if anyone is ultimately to blame, sir, it's Graham Greene. Exactly. You're right. Graham Greene. Uh, did he... He wrote the book, sir. Exactly. Well done. Yes. 
You couldn't just check whether Brunswick is still... He is still saying it, sir. No. Mrs. Goins has been deputed to counter my absence, sir. Is there anything I can do to put it right? To put right killing the one person who might have made Sergeant Brunswick professionally fulfilled for the one and only time in his life, sir. What did you have in mind? Bigger biscuit rations? New boots? Enamel badge? One thing does occur to me, sir. Uh, yes, what is it? You could let him go undercover. Oh, not that again. And I mean right undercover, sir. Deep undercover. Oh, properly undercover. Oh, dear. Wig, false nose, dodgy criminal argo, everything. I mean, even if he didn't prevent any crimes, he might be able to get us invaluable information for our criminal records. Criminal records? Oh, no, Lonnie Doddigan hasn't brought out another one, has he? The thing is, sir, Sergeant Brunswick wants more than anything else to live in the criminal shadows. Why not let him do it? Because you said it yourself, Trenton. First, every criminal in this town knows what he looks like. And secondly, every time he goes undercover, he gets shot. But if it makes him happy, sir? Oh. If it helps to protect the law-abiding? Look, I And don't... if it takes his mind off wanting to kill you, sir? Ah, yes, well, now you're talking. So, Sergeant Brunswick has gone undercover, Father. And I can't help feeling it may be the best thing for everyone. As Raymond Chandler wrote... Down these mean streets a man must go who is not himself mean, who is untarnished and unafraid. Of course, the inspector can't quite get used to it. Brunswick! Brunswick! Oh, where's Sergeant Brunswick got to now? Uh, oh. Oh, dear. Brunswick. Oh, dear. But he has not quite vanished from our lives. It's jolly exciting, Father, just guessing where he will crop up next. I mean to say, on Monday, I was sure he was my bus conductor on the number seven to the station. But when I looked again, he'd gone. Then, on Tuesday, was it Sergeant Brunswick I saw collecting money for the deck chairs at the bandstand? Oh, uncanny. Obviously, I'm hoping all this undercover activity will make the Sergeant forget his grudge against Inspector Steen, but, well, who knows? We will have to wait and see. See the bunny run, see the bunny jump. Only half a crown. See the bunny run, see the bunny jump. See the bunny run, only half a crown, lady. Only half a dollar. I'll kill him. See the bunny run, I'll kill him. See the bunny jump. See if I don't. Only half a crown, sir. Only half a crown. I'll kill him. In The Adventures of Inspector Steen by Lynn Truss, Inspector Steen was played by Michael Fenton Stevens, Brunswick, John Ram, Twitten, Matt Green, Mrs. Groins, Samantha Spiro, Jupiter, Philip Jackson, and Cecil, Pierre, and Albert, David Holt. The music was by Anthony May. The producer was Karen Rhodes. The Adventures of Inspector Steen was a sweet talk production for BBC Radio 4. And next time... He's only made a file on every known villain in this town, Vince. Every known villain? Yes, dear, including you. And you know what he's doing next, of course, once he's got a file on every known villain in this town? What? He's cross-referencing. <laughs>